We all have a to-do list. Here's an idea. Put save hundreds of dollars on car insurance on your to-do list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com. In just 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. This company, Geico, who's been with Spikes Car Radio for the longest time, has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company is Geico. Go to Geico.com. It may be the most rewarding thing you do today. Now, Podcast One brings you Spikes Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hello, everybody. Hi. I'm here with Zuckerman. We're waiting on Chris Harris, who's making his way across town. I I wonder where he's staying. He's late. um, It's L.A. But but that happens. He's a uh, British guy. Uh, this is exciting, though. It's exciting to have uh, Chris Harris here, don't you think? I will tell you that I'm I'm a little bit nervous. This is the first time I've been kind of starstruck, Ferris. Wow. Now, we've had some pretty big stars I'm, on the show. That's Zucker. right. <laughs> that's right. But this is a guy that's a star to me. <laughs> Why do we like him so much? He can talk. He can drive. He can do things we better than we can, or he, at least better than I can. I can't talk and drive like he does. He's, of course, the host of BBC's uh, Top Gear uh, before that, a car journalist, and I think he, he got on our radar when he started drifting GT3s. I think that's when you and I and Jerry were like, oh, who's this guy? Look at that. Look at how perfectly he can drift a car. Perfectly. He also can he can be talking calmly with right. that wonderful English locution. Mm-hmm. And, and fluency. Don't you wish you had that? Of course I do. Instead, I'm stuck. <laughs> I sound like the offspring of the East Coast slobs even, that I am. Even the dumbest <clears throat> English guy sounds smart, right? Compared to me, yes. Hello. You're already thinking, well, his IQ is like 20 points higher than it probably is. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, Brit- and I always believe everything in a British accent, too. If someone says it with a British accent... Well, the earth is flat. I'll go, well, all right. I guess it is flat. I guess that's right. Right. Hear that accent? And then the Swiggins. Swiggins is a descendant of those people, right? (laughs) No. Yeah, but Swiggins. (laughs) (laughs) There's some inbreeding going on there. Of course. Right. And, you know, bad rich people. And they live in where? Rhode Island? West Newport. In in Connecticut. And, and, you know, those fancy places. Mansion costs. Greenwich. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Lime. Lime, Connecticut. Where they have Lyme disease from. You know, over the weekend, uh, Jerry said he was unloading some cars. Mm-hmm. And one of those cars is your former 82911 SC. Right. And uh, I never really asked him why he said he had a glut of SCs. <laughs> yes, he cornered the market. <laughs> Did he? But what other – and he's selling two of them. But what are the two – what What does he have left? Well, I didn't know – I didn't catch the selling the two. Oh, he yeah, has a yeah. beautiful platinum – 82 that going was, to... It is? Yeah. We were just together in the garage, and he was raving about how gorgeous it was. And mind you, mind you, that... Well, maybe I'm misunderstanding here, but I thought both were going. I was surprised you didn't jump on both of those. I didn't notice. Wow. Okay. And at the time, the 82, uh, the Platinum car was offered to the two of us at almost the same time, and he expressed the greater desire to have it. Okay. This is what he wrote. Due to a segment saturation in my group. (laughs) (laughs) Segment saturation. I have decided to release the 82 light blue metallic and the 911 SC Targa. Oh, wait. No, this is all the same car. 
Okay. I, yes. I see. There was just uh, a weird bump in there. there were, yes. So it was the one and only. Which, one of course, I, you know, I have to say. So this is the group. So uh, that's why he's posting both photos. I see. I'm going to confess it. to something. I'm going to confess. I'm a little offended in a way. Like, what's the matter? My car's not good enough for you? It is an interesting car thing that when you sell a car. Now, that's a car that he really desired. He really wanted. He coveted it. And you, in an act of kindness, also, I think, in because he, he sold you the ice racer. Right. Right? I wanted him to have something of mine. That he wanted. That he really wanted. And that started his segment by purchasing. In that, se- in that segment, that's the car that was the taproot in that right. particular area that's, that fueled this splurge. We don't have a name for this. So now he gets the car. One of the first things he did is he took the period radio out of it, and he put one of those uh, goofball yeah, modern not 911 happy. interfaces. You know what else he did? What? He took the air conditioning out, which we'll want. He did? Yeah. You remember that whole discussion? You were laughing at me because I was mad that that he took my car and he did this to my car, which was no longer my car. You know, I understand taking the AC out of the uh, old stuff, the really old stuff, but not that. Did it work? Okay. Did yes, it was great. <laughs> it was as good as the AC in our you know, eighty-seven. Problems in the eighty-seven, right? No, no, no. But it's as good as the eighty-seven is now, and as good as the Will Hoyt eighty-three. So we're gonna Man. hopefully we'll get it back, and he'll. He'll, you, we can reconnect it. I like AC. Do you think it'll come back in some weird old moving box, UPS box? Yeah, with half the parts missing. <laughs> and then we can then we can be on one of those chases to track down who took it apart, who had the I have to say, I don't know if I would miss the AC. It's you know, in my in the seventies cars that I've owned, I I hate AC. I had it in one seventy three RS, a beautiful you know, the Otis uh, Chandler car that I owned. And it uh I don't know, it never felt right. I used it a couple times when it was 90 degrees, but I usually don't drive those cars when it's above 90. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's a Targa and, you know. I know, but it was the way it came. It came from the factory with the AC and it came with the with the radio. I don't personally like the look of those supposed modern old right. loud punks. But this is the second time this has happened to both of us. My 73 911T was just offered back to me. And I said, sure, send me the shots. And the interior of the car was different. It had a different steering wheel. The door handles on the left side of the door, I said, what's going on there? He goes, he likes to have handles, so we installed a handle. Come on. <laughs> Are you said, what? kidding me? How many miles did this guy put on this car? He goes, 55 miles. You so mar- did all of these modifications to the car, then drove it 55 miles in, I think, eight years. And then and and red seat inserts in these beautiful black seats and you know it this made no guy, sense. This is a guy that should get a mannequin and some ladies' clothes and just change the mannequin <laughs> every other day well, to the way he happens. likes it. I you know just didn't even respond. I was so deeply offended by it. But I got a phone call <laughs> by a fella whose name I forget, but a, but a nice guy who said, "Hey, I just bought your old car." An old guy, and I go, "Oh, really?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm just." I, he had questions about the work I did on the car, and I filled him in on everything. And I said, you know, what are you going to do about the abomination? He goes, I'm going to put it all back. He goes, I'm putting it all back. The abomination. (laughs) Is that what you were going to say? Yes, the abomination of how, why, you know, this guy made those changes. He goes, I'm putting it all back to suck. And I go, all right, well, put my name on that car when you're done with it. He's an older guy. He goes, well, I'm going to drive it. I go, I want you to drive it. Put 10,000 miles on it. But please put it back to the way it was when I had that car because it was an original 73 911T preservation class, white, black. I was think I gorgeous. bought it with 12,000 miles. It's one of your best cars ever. It was one of the greatest, right? One of the greatest. Drove it for 12 years, had a good time with wow. it, and passed it off to road scholars, those guys. So, um, 
during the during the Watts era, during the Kevin Watts era when he was there. Means. Yeah, yeah. But, it, uh, but I but but getting back to this Jerry thing, yeah, it's it's we need a word for this because Jerry just did it to you. This guy did it, and it's by the way, it's their right. They 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 gave us the money for these things, and they can do whatever they want with them. But what what do you do? What is that called? When someone desires your car so much, buys it, then modifies it and says, eh, I don't want it anymore. I would call that uh, <laughs> child molesting. That's how. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's, it's the equivalent of some guy stealing your girlfriend away from you, you know, using her for a weekend in Vegas and then casting her aside and then nobody wants her. <laughs> Right? Well, because she's been molested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, molestation is the except is, the blue car is coming back. It's coming back, but we'll have to we'll have to do it. And you and I are going to now own this car together. Yes. Yeah. And this is the greatest part: is that my car went to Jerry, and now it's a Plan Z. It's a Morris Solomon's car on its return. Well, you know what's nice about it is the it's the year we both graduated high, high school, school. Yep. 1982, and that's that's the only reason why well, I love the blue. I love your enthusiasm for the car. Um, I'm interested in trying that radio Jerry put in. I'm also interested in, in the look without the AC, you know, just having mm. had issues with that before. Except it, whatever ex- you want to do. Except that the internals in the car or the exter- in the in the passenger mm-hmm. bay, you have all the AC stuff. You have so much experience driving that car that you're going to want to put it back to where it was. Do you, well, re- do you even remember the radio yes, that was in it? I, yes, of course I do. So, so that's easy. This yeah, is all easy but what I, what I really – the car to me was – it was kind of an afterthought. Remember, when I got the 89 89- – Turbo that had been garaged since 1991 yeah. up in Fresno. Yes, and the deal was that at the same time I got that 1991 or two Mustang K body Shelby, mm-hmm. and I traded Ray Joseph that Mustang for the Targa, and and that was what I just I, I knew I didn't want the Mustang as cool as it was with 2,000 miles, and the Targa seemed to be what Ray had that was workable in a deal. Well, and then when we got the car, it was such a revelation how great it was. I think we should ding Seinfeld on the price and go, look, the car that was handed off to you is not the car we're getting back right now. <laughs> well, <but laughs> and he- as such, sir. <laughs> okay, but he did a Jerry thing. He did a Jerry thing. I said, how much do you want? And he says, do you remember what you sold it to me for? And I believe I do. And I told him a number. And he said, and then he said, no, I think it was less than that. Oh, and he's so sweet. And then he, he actually off. is great with these. Yeah, he, he knocked really, he off. He hands them off to us all the time it, yeah, at sir. a reduced rate. We love him. Did I tell you about he's my ticket yesterday? Quickly, because Harris is in the lobby. He's oh, okay, on his I'm way up. I got we'll a ticket go to for DWJ. DWJ driving while Jewish. And, <laughs> and, and, what were you really doing? Because I okay, saw this, you the other day in the four zero on Sunset doing a million okay. miles an hour. I mean, I was going. Really okay, listen to this. I was going to Pilates. Okay, so a very you know, not the kind of activity that's going to make me drive crazy. And I'm going down Santa Monica Boulevard, and I get pulled over. The guy's so mad at me. He he says to me, "Where are your license plates? I haven't gotten them yet. You should have gotten them." How do you even answer that question, Ferriston? You should have gotten your plates. Well, you know what? You should have gotten 10 more IQ points, but you didn't. I didn't get the plates. You didn't get the brains. Did you say that to him? I didn't, but it was clear I thought that. And then we, we went ring around the rosy about the plates, which I couldn't satisfactorily answer for him why I don't have them, but I didn't have them. And anyway, he gave me a ticket for not signaling when I changed lanes yeah. at 7 a.m. with not a soul on the roadway. That's right. called gratuitous. Right. And meanwhile... Are you going to fight it? 
well, I'll just hire somebody. I'm not going to pay. But meanwhile, Ferris said, he said, where's your proof of insurance? Now, I haven't got my insurance card yet, but I have a photograph of, of my general policy. Yes. And I show him, and I say, "It's you know, I haven't got the card yet, but within the first 30 days, we all know I'm covered as a new car under yes. this policy. He also throw in no proof of insurance. Wow. What a dick. Yeah. A dick. Wow. Driving while Jewish. Yes. It's really a thing. Yes. because And... And I knew, like, when I got to it Sunset... Could just be driving while in a Porsche, you know. Yeah, it might well, not have been the Jewish thing. Okay, but I'm going to play that card. And also, so, you know, there's so funny, because you remind me, there's so many things you can't say in that moment, such as... I fuck have yourself? So, <laughs> well, no. I have so many cars... Yeah, that, of yeah. course I have insurance. I have hundreds of cars. <laughs> I have trouble keeping track of what has and what uh, – because it sounds wrong. Right, Richie right? Rich. So I just – and I was being so spoken. I said, I, honestly, I'd put the plates on the car if I had them. Yeah. And then after he gave me – when he added in the no proof of insurance, which came – when I looked at the ticket, I said – and I was a jerk. I said, I want you to go home and look up a word. He goes, what's that? I go, gratuitous. And he goes, and he goes. I know what that means. And I said, well, then you know how you're acting. <laughs> Gratuitously. Wow. Who is this, Beverly Hills? No, West Hollywood. Because we have fans in the Beverly Hills uh, police force. They wouldn't I do hear, that. I hear and from they would, them all the time. And they would, right, they're car guys. The sheriffs can have a weird sheriff attitude. Yeah. LA West County. Hollywood sheriff? Yeah, LA yeah, County. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't want to get into You got... A hundred homeless people. <laughs> you you know what's going on right. in West Hollywood, and I'm right. getting a ticket for no signal. Yeah, no, you're getting a ticket for driving a Porsche. That's it. Okay, DWJ. I'm going to call it DWJ. DWP. Okay. Department of Water and Power Porsche. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. When we come back, Chris Harris hopefully has found the button in the elevator to come up to the second floor here and chat with us, and we're going to get into it. We'll be right back with Spikes Car Radio. So how do you know your motor oil is good enough to protect your engine? Well, you don't! But one brand does because they literally go the extra mile to test everything. I'm talking about our friends at Valvoline. Hi, Valvoline. That's right. Valvoline is the only motor oil brand in the world with an engine lab completely dedicated to testing motor oil. They take their products and their competitors' products, I might add, and run them through the gauntlet. I'm talking thousands and thousands of miles, and their engineers and techs take those engines apart piece by piece to evaluate exactly what happened. Was their carbon buildup? How did the seals hold up? Did the engine perform like it was supposed to? And most importantly, were the critical engine components protected? So when Valvoline is formulating motor oil for your engine, they know exactly how it performs and what protects it best because they've seen the results firsthand, not last hand. It's why I trust Valvoline in my car, and it's why Valvoline has been trusted for more than 150 years. Head on over to Valvoline.com. Guess what? You can put in Valvoline.com forward slash spike to see what product is right for you and your engine. Go to Valvoline.com forward slash spike. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Chris Harris just walked in. Here we are. He looks a little tired. He's rubbing his eyes. I'm a little bit jet-lagged. I woke up too early. (laughs) I spent, as you do, four hours looking at classifiers and persuading myself to buy cars that I can't afford to buy. Um, And then uh, then I jumped in the car and came here. So I've been awake since about four. What Um, are you doing in L.A.? Uh, I'm on my way back from a very, very unsuccessful mission to um, uh, to the Baja Thousand. Oh. I can't tell you exactly what didn't happen. Okay. But we didn't finish. And there's, <laughs> a G- there's a GPS beacon that shows that we didn't get beyond 80 of the 1,000 miles. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Um, and was this fun the, or is it for the show? For the show, for the TV <clears throat> show. So I persuaded them to, to go and do something a bit more... 
uh, motorsport base and rather, right, right. rather than play within our own playground let's go and get involved in a proper race but it didn't quite work out <laughs> it was it was um it was more mechanical than driver related thank god uh but it's hooked me what an event mm. yeah the yeah. place is absolutely sensational it is the it's the last maybe that and the isle of man tt are the last bastions of outlaw motorsport yes where, mad max yeah just lunacy where where you know, everyone just shrugs and goes it's bar right and, and i I think that's very appealing in an increasingly sanitized motorsport world. And I love they, the, the scale of it. They run over dogs. Occasionally, people get hit. Oh. It's nuts. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> I have a friend who races it and does pretty well. I think he, he won. He was six last year. Six overall? Yeah, yeah. And then you meet the Iron Man stories. I mean, it's such an American phrase, Iron Man. Right. You know, this, this notion of a superhero doing a race. But I met a motorcyclist who does it on his own. He sets off at three in the morning. He straps a catheter to his old chap and has a little exit down by his boot. And he stays Keep that on the bike. On. His, old chap. His, old, his old chap. His old chap. And then he, and then he, and he rides and he rides. For a day and a half wow. and, I, and wow. when he shook my hand he nearly broke my knuckles he was so strong and he's just a beast and I said to him so do you enjoy it and he said no <laughs> I just, <laughs> Chris yeah, Smith. I, feel, <laughs> I feel I have to do it every year so he just it's like sort of enforced purgatory uh, yeah, I, I, did so, you follow up on that well why he felt he had to do it I don't know he just had a look in his eye that meant I didn't want to question him any further really right but I, I, I love best. I mean, I, <laughs> his father beat him one too many times. I think, I think off-road motorcycle races, the real endurance ones, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are a different breed. Because even though the four-wheeled side looks difficult, the, the two-wheeled side. I, I only ran eighty miles of the course through some of the nicest parts of the stage, and it was when it worked for the three miles it worked, it was dreamy. But you still come across stuff. That, that can disturb a trophy truck. You know, you find a hole that can swallow a trophy truck. What can that do to a Husqvarna 501 or a exactly, 601 or whatever right, it is? Right, right. So I, I was – but I, there's – sometimes you just get in amongst a motorsport event and just the flavor of it and the people and the scale of it captivates you. Mm-hmm. And this did for me. I, oh. I've, I'm, ever since – I don't know how old you guys are, but in the mid-'80s – I love making those Tamiya buggies, the radio control buggies, mm. the Fox, the Grasshopper, the wild one. This was, that was the language of my mm-hmm. early automotive enthusiasm. That's how I learned about differential suspension. And these were all models of Baja racers. So to finally go there and see yeah, these things yeah. was amazing. I'm going back. Well, there it There's is. something in the air there. And you know, I just <clears throat> got a Myers Manx, a 1964 Myers Manx. And, of course, we know Bruce Myers – and more or less invented the Manx to do that Baja 1000, um, and he was not a trained car builder, and he built that thing, and, and first go, he took off, I think, four hours from the record time. No one was watching, but he did it, and then, <laughs> and then the next year, he, he, won, he won the race. Four hours. Yeah, at that time, I think it was forty hours was the was the winning number, and he did got it done in thirty six on his first go in a dune buggy. In a dune buggy, homemade. 
Wow. Homemade and you've, and you've just bought one? Yes. <laughs> yes. And then Why? Said, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> you well, understand you're that? It, you're going to take it to Mexico. Yeah, I have a house in Baja. Every car so. guy eventually comes around to the dune buggy. When you're younger, it's not cool. But as you get older, you start to look at it. And then when you get a little older, you get our age, you go... I'm getting that dune buggy. And then you right. end up with the captain's hat. The captain's hat is my next theory, the right. Captain's then hat. the captain's hat, and then you die. <laughs> I get the captain's hat, and, and two weeks later you're I'm dead. sailing off into the unknown, and then you die. So maybe that's the progression. Dune buggy, captain's hat, death. Okay. So look where you are. I'm <laughs> right there. Put you on fourth the quarter. I'm fucked. I'm dying. <laughs> Chris Harris is here. here. <laughs> he uh, hosts a lot of car shows. Uh, thank you, by the way, for crossing the pond and coming here, flying on the podcast one jet. We had him flown in um, and doing the show. I have so many questions for you. First of all, we're huge fans of yours. We were talking oh, earlier you. about uh, you, you You were on our radar and Jerry Seinfeld's radar when we started watching you drift GT3s. And we were like, who is this guy? And look at that drift. That's amazing. Um, I've, I've got a million questions for you. First and foremost, though, you know, how are you doing two car shows? You do drive and you do Top Gear. Isn't there any exclusivity there? What? How did? You, how were you able to pull this off? I've got school fees to pay. <laughs> um, uh, but usually, a network will say you can only do one of these shows. Yeah. So the the BBC is a is a weird organisation, as you know, because mm-hmm. of the unique way it's funded. It's effectively government funded. It's, right, it's funded right. by the public purse, um, and that means that when I signed up to do um, Top Gear. I'd effectively already grandfathered a deal with Drive. So with JF and the others at NBC, I was already doing that show. Mm-hmm. So if you have an existing <laughs> show that's written into the contract, you then have the, you know, the, you the, the freedom. You can do both. Right. And also, B- Top Gear doesn't have a big footprint over here because the BBC's never really pushed it over here. It mm-hmm. lurks on BBC America, but that's not a big channel. It's a, it's a shame for me. I wish it, it was pushed onto a, a, a bigger network, but they right. prefer not to. So when I said to them, I'm doing this car show... They just went, well, whatever, don't worry about it, away you go. The BBC <laughs> is, is, a, is a lovely place to work because they're, they're not as commercial, they're not as brutal as an American network, mm-hmm. and it doesn't compete with them, really. Mm-hmm. You know, Drive is, a, is relatively low budget. It's me messing about with my old mates. Top Gear is a, is a higher budget effort that's aimed at selling to 150 million people. Got it. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's the big difference. Um, did you feel pressure when you got that gig? that you had to replace Jeremy Clarkson? I, I kind of think of the moment where you, you've got Jimmy Fallon replacing Leno. Right. Did you feel a lot of pressure yeah, in that well, moment? I, yes and no. Um, in the UK, Jeremy is and was huge. He's, a, he's a, an enormous personality. So the great thing about following his, you know you're never going to do the same job. You're never going to be as big as him. I right, don't want right. to be as big as him. Mm-hmm. So in terms of... Especially the belly. Of, in ter- <laughs> yeah, steady on. In, ter- in terms of... He's got a good lawyers. In terms of, um, in terms of trying to fill the, fill the shoes of, of someone that big, I was never going to do it. Right. So, so that was a non-starter. That was fine. But when it comes to testing cars, that's where I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm mostly uncomfortable out of a car. But if you give me a car to slide around and a, and a camera to talk to you, I'm comfortable. So I, I never worried about that. The day job side of it, I always loved. And I've always presented with people more famous than me. You know, I had a Matt LeBlanc as a, as a lightning rod as well to get rid of all of that fame thing. Mm-hmm. And now I've got two new guys who you won't know over here, but they're still huge names in, in Europe they and are. in the UK. They're Paddy big, and... Paddy uh, McGuinness and Freddie. Right. Like Fred's one of our national sporting heroes. Paddy presents the biggest dating show on Saturday night. Wow. So they're big. So I, I'm, I am the other one. 
I'm, right. I'm the small brown not one. We can't remember his us. name, but he can drive a bit. To <laughs> us. Um, you're the only guy we know, and we're not sure who the other guys are. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, it's the Chris Harris show. Well, yes. I, 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 I don't. I've never really thought of it that way. It's a different show. <laughs> no, I get it. And, and we were never going to just immediately replace them. I mean, it's unprecedented, right. certainly in UK television history. I think that that such a successful format ended so quickly, and yet the brand had to continue with new right. people. Right. And right. I knew when I signed up it was going to be an absolute bun fight and loads of it's been horrible. And I and I I don't <laughs> you know but but that's that's I the remember, way it is. Do you remember the bum fight videos? <laughs> that, that's, that's a 90s reference. Yes. There was that video yes. they advertised on late night television, yeah. Bum Fights. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that second? Not only do I remember Did you buy uh, Bum Fights? Of course, and the guy who did it the guy who started it, a yeah. kid in Vegas who started it because his dad wouldn't give him more money, made a fortune and actually really regrets it now. He does. And he's doing good works now. He How feels- do you know that? What do you mean? Do you know Bum Fights producer? My partner in the archive, Bo Bushnell, is good friends he with the guy him. who came up with the Bum Fights. So the guy now, <laughs> as much as- In case you're not, you don't know what this is, this is a guy took a camcorder into alleys at night and got bums to fight, right? Paid them yeah. like five bucks to be- the crap out of each other. Something <laughs> you could not do in this day and age. No, and, and but he, it has the funniest name in the world. And suddenly they did this and they advertised it somewhere and, and it was on DVDs, right? I think it was before even VHS so, or was, after VHS. Whatever it was. No, it was tape. They there were doing tape. it out of their fa- this kid's father's house in Vegas and the father <laughs> walks in one day and sees they've got like 50,000 units to deliver <laughs> and he can't understand. And the kid made some insane amount of money i don't know if it was 20 or 50 wow. million dollars with the bum fights and now he feels wretched well, about of course about the success hobo brawls <laughs> well it's, it's probably the last moment before the outrage machine begins <laughs> and people are like well wait a minute it's just ufc on meth isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. you, can't, you can't make fun of homeless people that way you can't do that did he give them a share of the profits no, no he got a, he they got not. like here's there a dollar no, for you redeeming at all well, thank you very much any of it so, so, he, so even at the time, he didn't think, well, if I make money, maybe I should give 20% to a homeless <laughs> to the, person's charity. Nothing. Oh. He just no, went no. and bought, he probably bought a Lamborghini, didn't he? That's right, of you course. Do with that money. This is the era of Girls Gone Wild, right? I wonder if, does bum, bum fights predate Girls Gone Wild? There it's was all big of the money same. in all of this stuff. Yes, what was the like, animated one they used to do on MTV where they used to they had sort of uh, plasticine models that would fight each other? Yes, so celebrity. Yeah, plastic. Yes. Remember that one? Claymation. I do. I remember that. Well, wait a minute. Let's get back to Top Gear. <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson, does he ever call to you? Do you know Jeremy Clarkson? No. No, I'm not. not met, I've met him once. In my uh, life. Any of the guys? I know the other two. You do. I know James, and I know Richard. I know Richard pretty well. James, mm-hmm. I'd count as a good friend. Yeah, um, and just a, a great lad. He's been enormous help to me. I'll tell you a little story that when the news broke that there were these new presenters of Top Gear, um, it was just before Christmas, I think, 2015, and. Uh, there was a lot of press interest in this, and I, I wasn't prepared for it, um, and the BBC clearly weren't either. <laughs> and I was, sitting, I was sitting at home with yeah. a lot of people phoning me, uh, reporters trying to knock on the door and stuff, and I thought, what have I done here? Pandora's right. box of pain. Right. And uh, on my fourth whiskey, as I was nursing my wounds, my phone rang, and it was James May. And he said, um, I'm known as Monkey. He said, uh, Monkey, I'm just phoning because I presume no one from the BBC is phoned to ask how you are. <laughs> and I went, I went, thank you, mate. And he talked me through it. He's a, he's a truly lovely man. 
uh, and we play darts and have the occasional beer. So, so they, they just don't have a PR department that was there to go, here's what you're going to hear, here's how to answer. They Nothing? No. Just no, the controversy. Just literally thrown in at the deep end. Right, and this is worldwide news when Jeremy Clarkson leaves this show, right? And then we're all fights. looking at the successor, right? <laughs> so it was it was an interesting interesting moment in my so, life. Yeah. One I'd probably like to forget. Yeah. But but I yeah. but I I I thank James greatly for that. And Richard's always been really good to me. And I've n- I've nothing against Jeremy. But I just don't it, know him. How is it different? So at this point you're doing you've got your own channel on YouTube, right? Yeah, I don't and you're, I, I, and you're I, viewing I, cars. But I've, you have a pretty huge following at that point, right? Yeah, we're we're doing okay. But right? it's a it's a specialist audience. The difference is that if you if you look at the verticals, if you're just a specialist in automotive, really you only resonate with car enthusiasts. Right. So if you go to the shop you might bump into someone that sees you and says, hello, how are you? And that happens infrequently. Right. If you if you go to a, a car-based event, if I go to the Nürburgring to do some public laps or if I go to a race meeting, yeah, you get some more attention. Right. But suddenly when you're on a general program, because it's a general entertainment program, it changes. You know, you, you go to the supermarket and your child misbehaves and you start yelling at it and suddenly – it's, it's different, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and I, it took me a while to adjust to that because I like so I do you like get in the tabloids. I do well. No, that again. I it could have been worse for me, but at the time, Chris Evans, who fronted that reboot mm-hmm. unsuccessfully, and Matt LeBlanc was so much more famous than anyone else yeah. that they took it all away. And I, I'm so grateful, particularly to Matt, who remains a good friend, even though he doesn't do the show now. He took so much of it. I thought he, he was great. I really enjoyed him on that show and a proper car guy okay yeah, you can't right. fake that authenticity right. is everything i've learned that over the mm-hmm. last five years if you want to pretend mm-hmm. that you love something you will be rubbish on television <laughs> right. because you won't be authentic <laughs> and, and matt is you know he has a gt2 rs he yeah, drives it in the he canyon does. he's he's proper and he can really drive as well mm-hmm. so I, I i love the fact that he was real but the fact that he was so famous you know you'd walk i always used to we used to land in a different country to film and i'd say did they show friends here and i'll do the accent matt would go do they have electricity? And, 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 and it was true. He was so famous that no one cared about me. Yeah. Most people thought I was carrying his bags. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Then it just allowed, allowed me the freedom to get in the cars, to slide them around, do what I can do. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not a comedian. I can't write like you can. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, you know, just do what you're good at. The rest of it, leave to people that are good at that. Right. And now you, you know, at least from our point of view here in the States, you seem to be carrying the show. You're the reason to watch that show. You You're know, a fair, you handle I don't cars, know anyone else who can drive <clears throat> as well as you do and talk as well as you do at the same time. Yeah, how do you do that? Mm. Make it look so easy. Yeah, you I'm, consciously go. Well, I'm I'm, try I'm, to stay I'm, calm. I, have, I do have a. I do have lots of modest bones in my body. It's not, <laughs> nice of you to say it. I think there's lots of people that can do it. Oh, boy. Um, and I think. Uh, I think first of all, you need to learn how to drive a bit. Uh, and and it saddens me that the generation of YouTubers that are coming up through aren't doing that. There's no one I see that's going out to concentrate on on learning how to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about you know I've got another supercar, um, and I think you have to have something to say. You've got mm-hmm. you've got to. I've always I've, when I've driven cars, I've always had things pop into my head that I want to share with the passenger, or almost say to myself. And, and and when you've got something to say, when you're feeling what's going on underneath you, when you're hearing, when you're just seeing stuff. I want to share it with people. And that 
and that comes out of my mouth. I mean, you can hear me. I'm a gobshite. Mm -hmm. So a gobshite? Someone that just talks too much. In gobshite, Ferris. What was the other end? What was the little penis metaphor he used? The old chap. The old chap. He had a catheter in the old chap. And I, but strangely, in in company where I'm comfortable around people who have a shared passion of mine, I talk a lot. If you put me in a room of, if you put me in a in a media room, I sit in the corner and I can't open my mouth. Yeah. So yep. I struggle. I don't know whether you guys find that as well, but always everybody it's does. It's terrifying, especially the me- especially the entertainment media that doesn't quite know what they're doing, and especially in the car world, I can't imagine what they're asking you. I've always like. I mean, you caught my attention. You, you mentioned that your nickname was uh, Monkey Harris, mm. and that's because it was uh, there was a show you guys watched, Only Fools and Horses. Have you ever heard of that show? I have not. No, I so heard the story that you were nicknamed after. It's that. a phenomenon, Only Fools and Horses, but it never travelled across the pond. Sadly, I don't think it translated over here. Not like Father Ted. No, no. <laughs> but do you know what? It's a shame. Maybe if you watched it now, it's a it's an East End trading geezer. Oh, got it. Who became our national treasure? Mm-hmm. So the Christmas special would do twenty five million viewers. Wow. In a population of 60 million. Yeah. So this was everything. There was a character on the show called Monkey Harris who you never saw. He used to sell the main character contraband, dodgy stuff. <laughs> and I and it just got picked up that way. Obviously, I'm actually, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty brown. I'm small. I'm simian. I look like a strategically shaped monkey anyway. So everyone assumed it was a racist term. When I got to the BBC, mm-hmm. it was very, very right on. They said, you know, it would be quite nice if we sort of buried the monkey thing. And I said, well, I can't really control that. And, of course, all of the handles on my social media have got monkey in them. They persuade they're trying to get <laughs> right. me to get rid of them. But because... It is well, right. because you can't call a small brown person monkey on television because they, they, they assume it's they a racist were saying slur. That, but you were calling yourself. I yeah, I, I'd already called it myself. But you didn't bury it. That's your Instagram handle. Harrison. It's my name as well. All my friends call me monkey. <laughs> and I can't, I can't turn around to all of my buddies and go, can you stop calling me monkey? Yeah. Well, I, like, I like that nickname. Why wouldn't not? Be mind, I wouldn't mind being monkey. Yeah, it works. I, uh, you know, I like that you've been in trouble with Ferrari. Banned from drive, driving Ferraris, which I think I was too for a little while. Um, oh, what did you do? I'm not going to tell you what I did, but I'm a huge fan of the Ferrari brand. And Lamborghini too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it... You know, do you have any pressure on you to, you know, with with respect to car manufacturers? I know it's a little different in England to not tell the truth with a car. No, I I learned. Have, I, is your relationship with Ferrari better now in Lamborghini? We, it's we, fine, fine, right? Lamborghini's no good. Doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like you know you you start out as a car journalist, you you start telling the truth, you get in trouble. Your fans love you because you tell the truth. You get so big that the manufacturer comes back and goes, "Okay, yeah, say whatever you want. Just drive our car." I think the the last bit used to be true, but it isn't now. I think I think the way that the the big luxury hypercar brands sell cars now, they don't care whether I drive their cars or not. They're going at the moment. They're going to sell them regardless. Right. The right. influencer sphere is now taking over, oh. and and that seems to matter more to them. And I say good luck to them. I know right. full well that that won't last forever. And we'll see what happens in three or four <laughs> right, years' time. Right. But but I'll tell you now, I started out on a magazine called Autocar, which is the geeky weekly magazine in the UK. And I worked with some really professional people, but people whose strategy, looking back, was clever. Uh, and I remember once testing a TVR, right? So a TVR was a – do you know what those are? Yep. So, so those, mm-hmm. those cars were exciting, but – they were hopeless. <laughs> you know, they just broke the whole time. I got locked in one once for three hours. I mean, you're getting locked out. You get locked in one. I couldn't mm-hmm. get out of it. Um, and it, the British media would give TVR an easier time than it would a Porsche. You know, if, if a TVR broke down, you'd go, well, it's British. It's cottage industry. We, we've got very little left of a car industry. Let's be nice to them. Mm-hmm. 
And I came back from testing a TBR, and my big boss said, how was it? And I said, it, it just broke three times, and it was a very difficult day out, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind to it. And he said, look at it this way. He said, would you rather sit down and face the boss of TVR and his wrath for writing something nasty about his car, or would you rather face <laughs> the poor sod that had compromised his life, had compromised his children's school fees, had compromised everything to save up and buy that car, and he bought it because you said it was good? And then you've got to tell him and face his wrath because he was so upset. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, I, I said, I thought to myself, I'd always face the CEO. I'd always face right. the boss man. And I've, I've adhered to that every time since then. There you go. And I, and I will quite, well, it's not just integrity. It's just I, it's may, maybe choice. it's the line of least resistance. Maybe I'm being a right. chicken. Right. But I just – companies are big. Companies have resources. But people – that buy cars, that save up. I know, we've all done it. You know, when you're not that well-resourced, it's a massive thing. You live in a small house. You don't have the luxuries in life mm-hmm. because you want this thing. And if it turns out to be shit yeah. and no one told you and they had the chance to tell you, that's not good. And I, and I got fed up with Ferrari because I, th- I still felt there was a game to play. Mm-hmm. I really did. But they just took the mickey. Mm-hmm. They really did. And I think when I was I was driving cars that I knew were not representative of what a consumer could buy. And at that point, they've lost the plot. We've lost the plot. The whole thing's gone rotten. And I, and it, I just thought now's the time just to say enough. Right. Really enough. <clears throat> there you go. Look at that. All right. I like that. I'll call it integrity. We're going to take uh, we're going to take a quick break. And I mean, really quick in this room. We'll be right back with more Spikes Car Radio. All right, we're almost to the end of the NFL season, and it's a bittersweet moment. If you're like me, you like football. There's so much football behind us, but the good news is we're on the way to the Super Bowl. Hopefully the Patriots are going to be there. We also have NFL playoff pushes, college football playoff arguments, and bowl season. If you're looking to add some excitement to those games, like if you get bored and you want to gamble, make BetDSI.com your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet on the games right up until the final whistle. And guess what now? If you want to be a new member, you're not signed up already, you get a 100% bonus match using promo code SPIKE101. And you will double your money to start winning today. Try betting at BetDSI, where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play, every minute until the end. New members get a 100% bonus match using promo code SPIKE101. That's double your money to start winning today. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. We're back. We've got questions. Um, was your father really angry? I'll get to your questions in one second. I want one more of my questions. Was your father really angry uh, when you purchased an 89 Porsche 911 Club Sport? Yeah, bless him. He's, he's, no, he's no longer here. And he actually passed away very soon after that. One of my great regrets was we never really ironed that one out. We never really, we never really got the Carrera down. So I had very li- – I had – but this has to do with where I read that the correlation between happiness and car yes. ownership was this moment. Yeah, right? it was for me. And I, and I, was wanted, compre- I wanted ahead. this thing. And there's one that's just come up for sale that I want to oh, buy because they've come those. back down again. Right. And they're not, they're not perceived as being an RS. They don't carry the cachet of right, being a proper right. Rensport product. And it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a lightweight exercise. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you've driven one. I have. But, but yeah. I, I think it's the most underrated of the Agreed. cars. It drives so differently to a, to a normal G50 box 3.2 because the, the quoted or the claimed weight reduction was around 50 kilograms. But that was based against 
a lightly specified 88 Carrera. And of course, they weren't lightly specified. That was a car without aircon, without sunroof and silly seats and loads of carpets. The, the weight loss is more like 150 kilograms. The motor is blueprinted. It just zings better than a normal mm-hmm. motor. Agreed. And I love the car. Anyhow, I went out and I bought it. Come back. My father doesn't like cars. My father thinks that anything to do with cars is a problem. <laughs> so what I've got planned to do for a living doesn't sit well. But I have, I have some respect, so I try and hide this thing. But you can't hide a bright red Porsche with red writing down the side very easily. And he sees it. He's a lovely... He's, How old are you at this point? I'm 23. Okay. And I've spent everything on this and I've borrowed everything. <laughs> right. And he's saying, you're going to get a flat in London. I'm going, mm, I might just. So I'm living on people's floors pretending I've got a flat. Right. And I've spent all the money on this <laughs> flipping car. But I loved it. I went to the Nürburgring six times. I did 30,000 miles in it. It taught me how to drive. It cemented my love for the brand and for the product. Uh, and I would, I'd have one again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. You, did you sell yours? I did. <clears throat> it's funny. I've known those cars. Uh, they, they always they get acquired and then they get sold and then they get bought back. There's, it's it's, it's a, a it's funny subtle. little car. If you're, it's, if like, you the, it's are, like the 964 Cup right. cars. If in that you're same familiar category. with the brand and you really know the car, you realize that it just is so subtly tweaked in the right direction that it can give you such immense pleasure that it remaps your brainwaves like we talk about when you're driving. There's certain ranges of that engine or, or manner of handling that is so wonderful. It's <clears throat> such a delightful experience. The way, that we, the way that we judge the special Porsches has to be against the standard model on which they're based. Mm-hmm. And they don't always excite me and they don't always do the right thing. You know, so, you know, and, and it can be the condition of the individual vehicle. But you expect a 964 RS to be profoundly different to a 964. You expect the 993, etc. But the club sport was always a bit of a... Someone just put stickers on it. But, but actually, <laughs> it I, actually, I think a good clubby versus clubby. A is, is better versus a 3.2 than a, than a bad 964 RS versus a good 964 <clears throat> standard car. I really do. All right. I, I got to get to the listener questions. There are lots of them. Um, and we're mostly Porsche-centric, so I'm going to stick in the, with that category. You crashed a GT3 Touring. Yeah. You did. Mm. I didn't know about this. Yeah, no, I had a you big came... one. Almost a year ago to the day. Right. Um, come around a blind corner, and there's a, a pickup truck doing a three-point turn in the road. Oh, God. Uh, and we just went straight in. It was a proper... My, I had, a, I had a, a BBC buddy in the car. He's quite a senior exec. <laughs> we come in the corner. We go, we're not going that fast. It's on a road I've drive, driven every day for 20 years. Yeah. Come around a blind corner. And he's... And it's uh, just a car he, there. I remember... I remember he just went, oh, we're in. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful British understatement, and we ploughed in. Really? Smashed into bits. It destroyed it. All the, Everybody's all the okay. I was very impressed by the way it crashed. Okay. Because the, all, all of the sort of um, adaptable side of the safety systems worked perfectly. So, that, you know, the, the, the way the airbags now deploy isn't just a single movement. There's, there's, a, there's enough time for a brain to tell you how fast the car's going in and just deploy the airbag accordingly. Oh, so, wow. so the bag puffed up not too much because if you've had a bag go off big time, it just strips your hands and punches your face in. Right. So it's a light bag deployment. Belts held me in. We were both fine. Car was wrecked. Insurance company tried to repair it. I had to fight tooth and nail to get it destroyed. <laughs> We're going to get it perfect. Wow. We'll fix it. Yeah, and like I just said, never want it back. <clears throat> really? I love the car. It was my daily. I bought it to do 100,000 miles in it. It had done... I think twelve or fifteen thousand in eight months, and I was dailying it. But I've got just got another one. I've got another one now. It's taking me another a while. touring. Yeah, I've got another touring. I've not shown any pictures of it or anything yet. But what colour did you get? Mm, Doesn't want to say. Want to say just yet? Why? Oh, I was a bit of a secret. No, it's yellow. It's oh, yellow. that's great. Um, Speed. Uh, it's um, well, 
Oh, I can say it now, can't I? I've um, <laughs> well, I, I, there's a, there's a no. Pe- what is the problem with saying the the car? Well, I haven't shown anyone the car yet. No right, one's aware right. of it. And no I, one's and listening I, and to I, this. Obviously, I, I've <laughs> no got one a, will know. I don't have I don't have a, a, a large <laughs> footprint. So I've got to hawk every opportunity to get some publicity that I can. Right, right, so right. So what I've done is I've uh, it's a speed yellow car uh, with with a, a nice story, but I, I wanted a signal yellow. So what I've done is there's this new PPF process that a mate of mine's doing where they they spray on. The PPF, and then you can paint the PPF with any colour you want. Really? So I've gone. I've turned it to signal yellow, because obviously, wow. so because obviously, if I get a little chip, you're not going to see the different right. yellow underneath. And I've got complete protection over the car. So, and it's got a few other. What nice is bits PPF? On it. Paint protection film. So when oh, you put right. that clear on top of it, yeah, it's so, like a painted wrap. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, so, but it's amazing, so it's, and it looks. I'll show you a picture after this. It looks fantastic. Wow! But it'll be my daily, so it'll do as long as as long as no more trucks pull out in front of me. It will do a hundred thousand. And you're, miles. You, when you say daily, you you live out in the country, and then I've got a house in the country and a, and a place in. The and state. that's where the family is, and everybody yeah, hangs yeah. out there, so, and you just prefer the peace and the quiet. And yeah, I, I have a. I, I'm I'm I've, I've lived in the city a bit as well. I've got a flat when I need to, but I. I prefer and also i like having a drive and where's the top gear it's just you guys are always on the road or where are you we based? have a base in a place called dunsfold which is south of london and all their airfield south of london so I, I drive between the two quite a lot it's a good sort of three hour four hour drive wow. um with some good roundabouts some good dual carriage yeah. ways. and, and, I'm, and, nice I'm, and I'm the house i live in is close to wales where i love driving I and mean, we don't quite have canyons but we've got some good roads there somebody have wrote- you got a touring as well uh, we just got rid of our touring. Yeah, we had a we had a uh, chuck chuck touring that we loved, but it didn't compare to the GT2 RS no. that we were driving. We just thought it was the, the GT2 RS was the greatest car in the world and the only car to drive right now. It and is, it kept the touring kept being underwhelming when going from the 2 RS into that. You know, I think I agree with you. The 2 RS is the is the best thing they've done in the last yeah. three or four years. And and I a little row with a friend of mine who was very knowledgeable. Because he gave me the purest, oh, I prefer the current GT3 RS. It's just a bit more pure. And you just go, do you know what? Suck it up. <laughs> it's the same chassis. And if you throw an extra 200 horsepower at it, it's going to be better, isn't it? It's insane. It, the car is insane. It's wonderful. You don't get these every year. You know, it's the car of the moment. Right? And also, it, there's finally tire technology that can harness yeah. that car. Mm, yeah. Don't underestimate how important that, that Michelin is. Because the previous car, mm-hmm. the, the, the 997 base car on the original Sport Cup is just a disaster yep. and if you put the new tyre on the 997 suddenly it comes alive it does really? yeah wow. it really does what What do you have you have a GT, you know what, an old GT3 well I have a 4 and I have a GT3 so uh, of the 997 and I'll have to look at that Go you on. know the GT2 RS in the rain is the most fun that's where no tyre holds on to anything that's the we get those cold tyres here on Sunset and we're flying around it's it's a goofy car but I, I agree I, we were just talking with Tim Pappas over the weekend about uh, he was having selling his car and couldn't get any offers. I know Bring a Trailer just had a car. The numbers are just going down. Um, GT2 RS. Yeah. GT2 RS. There was a GT2 RS and Bring a Trailer with 800 miles that, that Went sold for on. Yeah. yeah, but the GT2 RS. But is, it's is, the greatest car and the, it, people are overlooking, you know, this is good news many. for you. They made, they, the GT2 RS is the car that got caught at the end of the crazy cycle. Right. You know, Porsche and had. They didn't limit the number. They, they had so many orders from the wrong people buying for the wrong reasons. But it, when they say so many, there aren't that many, right? There are a couple thousand of them. How many people are there out there, like the three of us, that genuinely want a 700 horsepower car with a massive wing on it? And they want it. <laughs> 
want to use it. They want to use it. Well, no, they want to use it. There's a lot of people that want to sit around a dinner table and tell Johnny next to them who's alive right, they've right. got one as well. But do they actually want to go out and spank it? Right. No. No, that's why that's they like the, the touring. They're insecure about their wing. They, yeah. They, you know, most... well, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live with a DG2RS. I couldn't afford one either. But, I, but my touring is just enough for me. And also... 700 horsepower as a daily, I would, I would be incarcerated. <laughs> it works. Quite, I'd be incarcerated quite quickly. You would. Oh, God. You absolutely would. No, I'm telling you, you're right. And they're much stricter in England, fast. yes. Sorry? They're much stricter over there. Well, they have with, the speed cameras there. We have speed you can cameras, lose so your license not, in one drive. But we are quite close to Germany. So, what you know, I do get to go to Germany every other month, and that's a good way. It's like catharsis, isn't it? You know, you just go there and basically do 210 miles an hour legally and then come home again. Once you've done it, you've done it. You don't right. need to do it for a while. Do you still feel, and this is so cold, there's so many questions here, and I apologize. I'm not going to get to everybody. Um, do you still feel the AMG E63S wagon is the most complete car for someone with a family, or is the RS6 Avant better? Well, I haven't driven the new RS6, so I see that's a poignant question because today is the embargo for the RS6, and I've just read Matt Farah's words on it. <laughs> and I what did saw he say? Him last night. Oh, he just says it's wonderful. It's difficult for yeah, us yeah. not to get under your skin. But I, I love the E63S. I had one for a bit, treated myself. Um, and it was very expensive, but it was the most complete car. And what I like about the Benz strategy is it's a rear-driven car with some front assistance. So on the road, even at low speed, it feels rear-driven. The Audis always feel either all-wheel-driven or a bit more front-biased. Mm-hmm. The Audi styling is superior. They just make a great-looking butcher estate car or wa- wagon, as you call them. And I'm really glad that you're getting a fast wagon from Audi because you missed out on the last four, right, didn't you? Yeah. But they, they tend to complement a 911 really well. So... If you have the perfect two-car garage, you'd have GT2 RS or a Touring, and you'd have an RS6, and then you have all bases covered. You're not, you're not a big fan of SUVs. No, I just think they're a waste of resources. Especially small SUVs. I just don't see the point. You don't, what, what, why, why, why would you elaborate on that? Because here in the U.S., it's all we buy. Everyone wants to be a pie. Well, so, so why would you have your center of gravity put further up? Because that just ruins the <laughs> chassis straight away. I want, when I get into a car, I'm just, I don't know about you, I'm just pushing down. I want, <laughs> right. I want, to, I want my nose just above the dashboard. I want to be low. I want to feel the car. But they, it's exactly what Zuckerman said. Americans want to be up high and looking down. They feel superior. But, they but, they, but, they but don't if, understand. I if understand. everyone else has got one, you're not high. You're just <laughs> right. at the same level as everyone else. So You feel protected. You feel tough. In them, you feel they like feel you're protected falsely, but they're not in many cases. Right. They're gonna, uh, I, I just I think it's an inexcusable <laughs> fashion of the motor industry to SUVs. make everything 20% heavier, taller, inefficient. You know, we've got a battle on our hands now to persuade many people in the world that we're not wasteful, awful ogres mm-hmm. that are trying to ruin Greta's future, all right? Right, and um, and, <laughs> and you know what, our argument is massively undermined right. when everyone drives around in a bloody SUV, yeah. So, I, I just don't like them. And, and, and I, there's something about the family estate car that I was brought up with. That I think is functional, it's justifiable. Mm-hmm. So I won't, I won't, I'll always have an estate car. But didn't you, you know, back then we could all sit in that little back area. We had a country squire, Ford country squire, and you could pile all the kids into the back, five of them. We could throw pennies at the cars behind us on the highway. Yeah. You know, you can't do that now. No, you can't. But, but I, you know, I, I, I maintain that the S, that in 10 years' time, if we're all having a cup of coffee somewhere, I'd love to come and see you in 10 years' time yes. if I'm still around. I think we'll look back on the era of the SUV and we'll be ashamed as, as a species. Wow. Like wow, an H2, like a Hummer, like the way you look at it, that Hummers became very, very Died symbolic over. of waste and overbuilding and, mm. and lack of utility. But to finish the question, E63S Estate is a sensational car. But in my, in my money, it was £110,000 that I put into an estate car. And I just woke up and thought, 
this is ridiculous. It's it's it was faster than my touring. We drag raced it against my touring on an airfield and it destroyed it. And it's got, you know, dogs and cat litter in the back of it. But I, I suddenly thought one night I I'm gonna buy I bought an old E thirty four M five touring, a fake one. So right. someone put an A thirty they put a nice three point six engine into an E thirty four body. And the cost of that car was less than the combined value of my Dezinio leather interior and my ceramic brakes. And I just thought, <laughs> there's a message in there somewhere, monkey. Just have a cheap one for a bit. Um, what, what, what do you have in your collection right now? Do you talk about what you have in your collection? Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a collection. I have a motley couple of sheds full of rubbish that I like. Um, and my, my, uh, my weakness is probably old Porsche that's a bit weird old French cars that no one here will understand what they are, particularly from the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, What's happening? Me, is that's great. fantastic. Is, <laughs> yeah. that, is that is that, is that, that one that where, the woman, where the woman starts making that shrieking, <laughs> coinkle yeah, noise? He's watching <laughs> porn on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> clear, <laughs> clear history. Clear yes. history. Okay. So, um, what are the French cars, though? So I like Peugeot 205s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got about four or five of them. Little ones, right? Yeah, little ones. Uh, it's a small hatchback that that totally altered the landscape in Europe. It was just, it was fun to drive. It was a hatchback that was, the engineers got hold of it that loved driving. So it has got the crispest gear change, the crispest steering, great damping. They Even now, if you gave an 88 205 into a group test of hatchbacks, it would drive better than all the modern ones. Wow. So I've got loads of those. Um, I've got a Citroen AX GT, which was a, a similar car, but even lighter. So that's a that's a stock hatchback that weighs 722 kilograms out of the factory. If you hit a if you hit a Sparrow at speed, the Sparrow will just fly <laughs> off and you'll be maimed. 722 kilos. Yeah, it's a stock hatchback and wow. uh, with 85 horsepower, a little carbureted engine. That, so I love those. Uh, I've got a 928. S4 manual because I always wanted one. Mm-hmm. And, and what's your opinion? I'm always drawn to that. I I love the car. The pedal box is a total mystery to me. How on earth they ever set the thing off like that? Because unless you've got, unless you're like Shrek and you've got massive feet, I can't heel and toe in the bloody thing because right. the brake is like a mile <laughs> away from. So I'm sort of untangling my thoughts towards it. I like the fact that I can get my two, my I got three kids in there with me, mm-hmm. which I do enjoy, and. And I do love the way the car looks, and it's got a caramel interior, and the manual gearbox is wonderful. And here's the but: it's not old enough to be quaint, and it's too, and it's it's so it's new enough to to have to bear comparison with modern cars. And right, it and it doesn't stack up. Yeah, so that happens. So I'll keep cars. it, but not forever. Uh, I've got a three five six, a really ratty old three five six that we just smoke around in a sea, which is just. You know, ninety horsepower, and and is exactly what RM auctions would That's hate. Fantastic, but it but it's honest, and we have lots of fun in it. I have a two CV from fifty seven, which <laughs> is my was my kid's favorite car. We These are a lot of cars. Wicker chairs, you have a barn to put everything. In? Yeah, I've got a couple of sheds that I rent, <laughs> and I've got and I've got a five twelve. We call them hangers here. He's yeah, got, sheds. got sheds. So we've got I've got a five twelve TR that's now done sixty three thousand. Is it the miles. white wow. one? No, I've got a red one. I've got so a, your YouTube with the white one in the south of France was yeah, what yeah. made me see. So that's a red uh, one, this, but I'm wearing a white suit. Oh, that was red. Yeah. yeah. So that was a that was a bit of a Mickey take. But so so I have a I have a broad spectrum of interest when it comes to cars. I like old. I like cheap if there's something modern that interests me i buy into it but i'm completely averse to car as status symbol i mm-hmm. hate that mm-hmm. if i if i see someone that's bought a car for the wrong reason i find it very difficult to engage with them because i don't right. have much to say to right. them but if i see if i see a guy who's just pouring over a w124 mercedes estate car i'm there mm. because i've got one and i know his pain <laughs> uh, so it's a, it has to be a broad church for me yeah 
There it is, Chris Harris. Oh, one last question. I just need – and somebody asked the question. I, it's a great question. What's your take on these Safari 911s? What do you think about this whole thing? I've got to be careful. I'm not because Lee's a good mate of mine. So Lee Keeney does this. Well, it's but, nothing about Lee. It's, yeah. You know, he's so, not the only guy doing so, this. So, the, guy, so the, the first person to do them 25 years ago and right. more – uh, was a guy called Richard Tuttle, who's a very good friend of mine, who who's a, a fantastic Porsche mm-hmm. specialist. So they entered the East African Safari Rally, and they tried to resurrect what Jurgen Barth had been doing back in the 70s with the Martini liveried cars mm-hmm. in the mid-80s. And um, so it was, it was genuinely for competition. So if you're going to go and compete with one, then great. I, I struggle... I don't understand why you drive around a town with massive knobbly tires. I, it's a bit like SUVs. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't universally hate SUVs. If you live in the countryside, have a Range Rover. It's a really sensible right, option. Right, right. So, but I know Matt's got one, and Matt adores his. He his, loves it. His Safari Nine Eleven. So I don't, and I don't begrudge Matt or anybody else, but it. It, it gets odd when suddenly a lot of people are doing this and carving up perfectly good 911s that are made for – and have beautiful drives. We own an 87 911. It's probably one of the most beautiful balanced driving experiences yeah. that Porsche has ever delivered. Go butcher it and make it three big Right. <laughs> I was but, in it this weekend just going, God, I'm in heaven. The sunroof is open. The road is – it's just in heaven. It's perfect balance. And then I think, God – what, what you're going to carve this up? And about this it's, personal, it's personal choice, isn't it? Who are we to comment on other people's choices? But I, I, w- but I would say I that when so. you've been in a proper Rally 911, excuse me, with some wheel travel and some great dampers off-road, mm-hmm. then you have a new appreciation of just how talented the vehicle is and how fundamentally strong it is. That's, that's why the 911 can do that. You try doing that in another car from the 1970s or 80s, it will just bend in half. Right. But the 911 was so so strong, they could turn it into a rally car straight away. Mm-hmm. So for me, the Safari 911 works if it's safariing. <laughs> there you go. Otherwise, molestation. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris Harris finally comes to Spike's Car Radio. It's been a real pleasure having you here, man. Our high we're, point. We're big fans of yours. Yeah, we've had a lot of qu- very famous people on the show, but... You're probably one of the biggest stars in our life. The show's called Top Gear, in case you haven't heard of it. Drive is on NBC Sports Network. And uh, where do you respond to people? I know you're active on Instagram. Well, I, I'm on Instagram. I'm trying to plug one thing, which is my little collecting car. Go ahead. So we've got a little podcast in the UK. Oh, that's that does, right. It does nothing like what you do. And it's just a chance for me to go and catch up with my old buddies, really. Right. Uh, in the motor industry called Collecting Cars. And that's also a little site, an auction site we're running as well. I mainly respond on Instagram. I find Me Instagram too. a kinder place than mm-hmm. I do Twitter. Twitter's a bit feral at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's right. I'm always trying feral. to get back to people. But I, I, I'm, I'm very lucky, and I think you guys are as well, that we get to, you know, we get to engage with our passion. Yeah. And the yeah. day that I stop loving what I do, I'll pack up and go and grow tomatoes somewhere. But I still have a passion for it. <laughs> Increasingly for the older cars, I have to say the, the, the newer ever newer hyper supercars just don't do it for me at the moment you know i got a mate who just bought a pista i can't even be asked to go and see it yeah because everyone else has got one what are you going to do with the thing you know you're going to drive around making a load of noise you're going to daily that car but i know exactly what you're saying we we've been doing this i've been doing it with jerry since the 90s and i remember him starting to get in old cars going what what is it with these old slow things and now you know 
Give me something from the 1920s. Every now and again, Give something comes along. Give me little teeny things. Like, I'm driving my Speedster today, my right. 58, oh, in character, traffic. and character and uniqueness. I'm in the kitchen going, do I really want to get in this thing? And one minute into the drive, I'm like, why am I not driving this every day? And I, I'm driving my E28 in homage to you. Have you got an M5? Yes. Let's go, oh, let's go look at some cars. What a car. Yes, That's Spike's Car greatest. Radio, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. What's up? Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.